Welcome everybody to Wrestling is Cool, the coolest wrestling podcast on the planet. Sancho, are you here for the this yeet cast? Are you here for this yeet down? How you doing? <laughs> we are yeeting the night away. Yeet morning to you. Yeet night. I don't know what he's doing. How much did he pay? How much do you think the WWE paid to, for the yeet license to print on t-shirts and for J main event yeet uso, yeet so to use it? Well, I mean, like the person who owned it had all of the leverage. <laughs> so I, I imagine at least, I, I would say at least 50K, six. at least. I was going to say like at least six figures. You think it gets like to six? Seven, 75K maybe. Okay. I, or maybe a cut of the uh, the merchant sales. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Oh, that would be, that'd be a lot of more money, I would say. I would imagine. I feel like that yeet shirt is about to get shoved down our throats for a while. Man, it's disgusting. How are you today, Santi? Dude, I'm doing great. I just woke up from a nap. I know you were busy in the day, so we pushed the episode a couple of hours. So I was like, oh, that's a that's a perfect opportunity for me to have a, a yeet nap. You know, I'm just adding yeet to everything now. But no, I had a good nap. I woke up. I'm rejuvenated. I spoke to Hollywood Hulk Hogan the other day, so, yeah. which is which is wild. It's crazy. We did a little charity. Uh, you know, it wasn't little. We did really well. $10,000 in two hours is not little. That is a good amount of money for the Boys and Girls Club of America and we had Hulk Hogan there <laughs> in kind of in character not in character that was that was a, an interesting milestone in my career was it his favorite Christmas movie Santa Claus and Muscles <laughs> that? I can't put your own movie over Hulk I, I know how, what was I supposed to say I was I should I call them on that because I was just like yeah sure totally <laughs> Come on, Hulk. That movie terrible. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for those that didn't catch that interview, um, you know, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Not Hulk Hogan's. If you're watching this uh, or listening to this in audio, I'm wearing an L.A. Knight shirt right now. He put over L.A. Knight and put him over quite good. The Hulkster is over on uh, on on L.A. Knight. Call him a kid. He said he's a good kid. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I forgot Hulk. You're really old. He is very old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's still way more jacked than all of us, dude. Dude, he, oh my god. He flexed at the beginning. I was like, oh my goodness. It's, that man's he's amazing. He's yeeted. Okay, I'm done. That's uh, I promise you that is the last yeet that you're gonna get out of me for the rest of the episode. I promise you. Sure. Uh but yeah, man. Uh, other than that, like been pretty run-of-the-mill aside from the fact that they started probably one of the coolest most anticipated feuds in professional wrestling history which we're going to be talking uh, about in here in just a second uh, but if you are listening to this on a Friday or on YouTube just know that you are getting this pretty late you could have been getting this three days early over on patreon.com slash the link is in the description of the YouTube video or whatever feed the description of the Spotify thingy uh, again you're going to get the episode three days early and then you're also going to get my monday night raw reviews and my, my smackdown reviews as well uh, again you could have gotten it a bit early for just a couple extra bucks and to help of course keep the lights on and the mics on we have over 150 people over on the patreon already it is growing like crazy it's only been around for like three months it's already uh grown uh, to be quite a quite a large community sir got that got a sign already on the television program soon we're going to be at the ple sign i tell you what and at the same time, I watched the first Royal Rumble. You didn't know it did not main event the first Rumble? The first two. The, the first, first two. Oh, Isn't sorry. That crazy? Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, I misunderstood what you're saying. The, the, the first, first Rumble did, Royal Rumble not, didn't main event the Royal Rumble pay-per-view is what you're saying. Mm -hmm, gotcha. Mm -hmm. I thought what you were saying was that the first Rumble, the winner didn't get to main event WrestleMania because that's the first oh. two. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the, it was a 20-man Royal Rumble first time around, and Bret Hart wrestling as a heel. Mm, that's always weird to see. I've, I, like it, for me, there's um, like certain moments when you go back and watch like old school DVDs or, or you catch something on the WWE network and you catch a glimpse of a, of a WWE superstar that you know and love from uh, with that has one particular persona that you know and love, but then you catch mm. them like 15 years prior and they're in like something entirely different. Like if you catch SmackDown in 2003, you'll catch Batista catch, uh, collecting, you know, church collections for Reverend Devon, you know, wearing the, the, the church collection thing on uh, around his uh his neck it's always bizarre to me so like bret hart is a heel into those early 90s or actually late 80s it's all weird question mm-hmm. i was gonna say this for a future segment but i want to give you a taste what is the best gimmick of x wrestler here we go oh that's a wonderful yeah. question it's a great question beginning number one what's the best version of edge rated r superstar rated r superstar i have a secret spot for the brood edge that's a, that's a good one that's a good one yes yes Just- yes just because he was amazing. Second thing, what's the best gimmick of Mick Foley? Oh, that's probably the hardest one. Um, I would go with Mankind. I feel like Mankind had the biggest amount of range in terms of like being a super scary heel, but also like a super lovable monster. Uh, so I feel like we got the most emotional range out of Mankind. Okay. Last one. Best version of The Undertaker. Ah. Uh, Look, I, I'm in a, I'm in a minority. I like, uh, I like the American badass. I know everybody's like dead man, dead man, dead man, but I'm an American badass guy. You it, like biker taker. I like biker taker, man. I also think that's the best version of his entrance theme. Uh, like big evil biker taker is where it's at, man. I felt like it was just easier to, I don't know, like emotionally resonate with biker taker too. I don't know. Like, I just feel like dead man's just like, Oh, Okay, so you're dead. What else, dude? What else you got? What else you got for me to, you know, to get hyped for this? Aside from you being, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it. <laughs> what else you got for me? <laughs> How dare you bury the Ministry of Darkness taker, dude? <laughs> the cult following leader going after the McMahons and then secretly working for the McMahons at the end of the day. Oh, uh, I would was... have to go. It was bad. It was yeah. bad. <laughs> I would have to go with uh, the Return of the Dead Man. That's my best version of Taker. Mm, that's leather, a- all leather trench coat. That's the best version. Right when he came back for the when he brought it back after Biker Taker, that was yeah. That's WrestleMania 20 against Kane. That's a that's a iconic entrance at WrestleMania 20 at the Garden as well. Okay, I have think we I have one that we're both going to agree oh, on. Okay, I think all we right. have one that we're both going to agree on. The best right, version me. of the Rock. What is your favorite version of the Rock? Hollywood rock. Hollywood rock. Yes, <laughs> man. Rock's the best one, dude. Best uh, Titantron, best music, best everything. Is cooking. <laughs> <laughs> and he had the best gimmick. It was it was just the best. The way he would just interact with everyone and the, everything was beneath him, which was so good. And he was so weirdly, his physique was really weird. Because mm-hmm. he was different. Because he was lean, like in Hollywood lean. And he was just out there. And he wrestled like a cartoon character, like a like a he wrestled like a heel that had no business being there, and that made it work so well. And I loved it. It, it. You're so right. Like the way the way that he looked was a little bit bizarre. He had lost like a lot of his shoulder mass, so mm-hmm. he, his neck was a little bit longer. I don't know how to explain it, uh, but that character I put up there with the single greatest 
heel run of all time. And it was only four months that we had that version of Hollywood Rock. That's actually the biggest travesty of all time. And this Hollywood Rock works so well that he was able to to lose to the hurricane and be over. That's just like, that's how you know you are perpetually over. That you can lose to, I don't mean this disrespectful, but like a bottom feeder wrestler character like the hurricane and still be ready for for a main event quality clash against Stone Cold Steve Austin and be more endeared endeared to the fans. I like this transition right here. Who's the best version of Seth Rollins? Oh, that's a wonderful transition. Masterful. Well done. Mm. That is a master class in podcasting. It's it's an architect. Yeah, in in yeet casting. Well done. (laughs) Yeet transition, yeet transition. I like the Monday Night Messiah. I don't think that that got enough of an opportunity to really flourish. I think it would have been cool to see him as a as a cult leader type of character. Um, oh yeah, that yeah, was I that mean, was really Far Cry Five guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I feel like that's the character that fit nicely. What is the is the missing link, right? If we're if from the in between of the architect to this crazy. <laughs> character that we have today because he was wacky zany but not obnoxiously to the point where i am a visionary i am a revolutionary i love that character and yeah it was the far cry five guy i I really like that cult leader vibe for me it had to be when he was authority seth when he was just triple h's calling boy that was the best version of him and he was just he didn't deserve anything and he acted like he was the best in the world and that brings me to this question. What's the best version of punk? DM punk. Uh, yeah, it's it's 2011 punk. Yeah, it, it's it's WWE CM Punk when he became a main eventer. Sure, before that, before the summer of punk, he won some world heavyweight championships, but he wasn't even a top five guy in the company, even when he was a, a world heavyweight champion. It was the summer of punk. It was I am the voice of the voiceless. It was this guy who had an aura of I'm better than you, yet I'm doing this for you. It was the CM Punk that directly went against authority. I think that is the mm. best version of CM Punk. What if I said this, Santi? On Monday Night Raw... We are seeing the best Seth Rollins and the best CM Punk we're going to get. You think so? Oh, I think so. We're talking about a CM Punk with his back against the wall, having to prove that he's the best in the world and that he is not a problem in the locker room. And we have Seth Rollins, who is looking for an edge in his presentation, and he genuinely, genuinely hates CM Punk. This is going to be the fireworks, and we already saw the fireworks on Monday night. We got the longest stare down with probably 20 cuts of camera that I've seen in my life. It was like, he looks at her, he looks at him, (laughs) and they look at each other. And it was talking about something that we haven't seen in the WWE Monday Night Raw for a long time. And if you are AEW fans out there, you just have to realize, like, you are... This is what AW is missing now. And you, it's right here. And it's going to be reminded every Monday night and every PLE that CM Punk main events. It's just like, man. You had it. You had it. And now we have it here at, at WWE. And I do think it's it's a very different CM Punk. But he seems very dangerous at the same time. Because it's like, when is CM Punk going to, to snap? Because, and I mean in a kayfabe kind of way. When is he going to snap on whoever he's fighting against? Because when he said 
whatever uh, my thoughts in the promos i thought they were great i thought it was seth's best promo that he's ever had in the ring because it wasn't over the top but for cm punk to reply in a very old man akito steven seagal way that's going to be your one pass and don't you ever disrespect me again type five i was like wow man a few words and he got his point across and he walks out of the ring that's what that's what i miss about today's wwe that there's no one on the mic like CM Punk to be able to point that across with so few words. CM Punk uh, is the only person that I know that can go toe to toe and even be better on the microphone than The Rock. So I'm ultimately not surprised that he can even change up his style of just where he actually sometimes overspeaks and change it to I'm going to be a man of few words and still knock it out of the park. We have a question here from Nicholas Kyle over on patreon.com slash Zap who asks, now that CM Punk is back, what are your thoughts on this new version of CM Punk that we have? It sounds like you think it's going to be the best version because he's uh, Nicholas says uh, he's basically just sucking up to the WWE universe, calling it his home after bashing it for a decade. It's perfect. It's, it's what's it's supposed to be because us, the fan that is smart, the the, the ones, and when I, I don't like using that word. Basically, the fan that's been with him since 10 years and has been with him at AEW are like, that's not the CM Punk I know. That's not the CM Punk I know. It's obviously a ploy. It's obviously a trick. It's the heel of CM Punk to let everybody know, hey, everything is fine. Everything, I, I am a good guy now, and I am now pretending to be a good guy, so I won't step on anyone's toes. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a moment where he's going to, be super greedy and super selfish and it could be when he has that belt and that could be the first start because remember when he had the belt at AEW at the very end he was turning into a heel he was going into that a little bit he had the he had the unofficial belt in that red bag that type of vibe so i think this is the best CM Punk because he's tricking everybody he's tricking everybody because who's the heel in this matchup it's not Seth Rollins there is a CM Punk quote that is going to resonate with you. All right, yeah. you ready for this? This is directly from CM Punk's lips himself. He said this in, in Ring of Honor. He said this in the WWE. Not sure if he said this in AEW before. The greatest trick that the devil ever played on humanity is to make humanity forget that he exists. I yeah. think you are right here. I think that this is all a fugazi, as they say. I think he's going to pull the rug from under us, and I think that he's going to turn into this vicious version of himself. Unless his merch sales are just like so ridiculous that WWE is like, no, we can't do this. We can't pull the plug on it. But that's the thing. CM Punk is one of those few people, and he's proven this back in 2011, that he could out-merch sale John Cena while being the heel in the company while being the bad guy in a program. He can still be incredibly popular and still make money for the company. And I think that you're right. I do think that right now we are being played. I think right now we are being caressed. I think right now we are being lulled into a into a false sense of security only for CM Punk to prove Seth Rollins right. I think that Seth Rollins is going to be the good guy in this feud and that CM Punk is going to be the bad guy and I'm here for it. The thing about it is yeah, he's CM Punk is still an outsider. He is the one that is he, that's what makes his promo so interesting because he's acting as if AEW never existed in his mind, that he's been gone from wrestling for 10 years. He's been gone from the WWE for 10 years. Granted, he does drop a little bit of a nudge, nudge, winks, winks, punching backstage type of moments. But when we saw him do the world tour, it's as if 
he's been away forever and he's never seen what's happening in the program. He wasn't, it's like we forgot that he was uh, a backstage commenter at the Talking Smackdown, that weird show, right? Yeah. It's like we forgot all those moments that he was talking to uh, Daniel Bryan and all that kind of stuff. And all that has been erased. We're in a different timeline where it's as if CM Punk has came back from 10 years and he's lulling everybody to sleep and he's going to strike. Because Seth Rollins can't be healed here. I don't think Seth working heel is going to be as strong as CM Punk working heel. And I think finally we're going to get a wrestler who knows how to work a back. Finally, we'll get somebody that could work a back injury in terms of focusing on it, doing everything that he can to, to exploit it. But I'm just hoping that we drop that angle and just focus on the hate for these. Two yes. Pieces. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. no point. There's no point in focusing on the back. It, it doesn't resonate with CM Punk. Like CM Punk is not one of those like wrestlers that targets weaknesses and backs and, and, and tries to put you out of commission for for the end of your career or whatever. Like CM Punk is is an emotional wrestler. He is there to sell a story, not there to sell an injury, not there to sell necessarily the physicality of professional wrestling. He's there to sell the story of it. And I mean... I don't think that I'm over exaggerating when I say that the story potentially being laid in front of us has the potential to be feud of the decade. It, it really, really does. Like the, the stars are aligning for us to get a once in a blue moon type of feud, a feud between not just two great in-ring workers, two great mic workers, two great character workers, but two guys that just like genuinely dislike each other that can hopefully put that aside to make the other aspects of their of their strengths come together to give us magic. This feud, this feud could feed us for the better part of six months. This feud could feed us until the end of Seth Rollins' contract, which apparently comes up in 2024, which I think adds an interesting little wrinkle to this whole situation. He's not going anywhere. Well, I don't think he'd be going anywhere. I think he could just take a break. Like I'm yeah. gonna be a dad. I don't think Seth Rollins in AEW. That'd be the biggest hypocritical no, move it, ever. It's more of like your wife works there too. Like you know, it's perfect for them. They could travel together and the kids could roll all together. There's just no way. Um, I feel though, this is the equivalent. If you're if I'm for the old heads out there, this would be if Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels got back in the ring in, in close to their prime, a lot sooner than when they were way past Bret's injury. If all of a sudden we had Brett and Sean get back in the same promotion right after the Montreal screw job, because it's that same kind of hate. And it took them decades to forgive each other. Decades. This is the same kind of hate that Hogan and Warrior had forever. It's this animosity between each other. The closest thing I can think of of genuine wrestlers that you thought they really hate each other was Hogan and Macho Man. When the Mega Powers broke up, I really thought Macho Man hated Hogan for for messing with Miss Elizabeth. Like, it was just... Yo, genuine. Macho Man was right. Hogan was up to something there. He was up to some shenanigans. I just remember Hogan not understanding how to handle that angle at all because he would just be repeat, oh, Macho Man Savage, I'm sorry, Macho Man. And then, oh, and then he's like, Hogan, I'm going to kill you, Hogan. It was just like <laughs> so bizarre to me to see that. And I, I can't think of any other two wrestlers that genuinely work well together and hate each other. I... I that's the only thing I could pull from. I can't possibly attitude error. Probably, probably there was people, but I think the WD could mess this up. They have to hold this 
on as long as possible. Fellas, the holidays are here. I'm already in the mood. I'm wearing my Jingle Bell Rock shirt and it's gonna be bustling, it's gonna be busy, and you can't forget to eat healthy. And for that, I've got the perfect sponsor for today's video, Factor. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service. Factor's gonna make sure that you're eating well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved straight-to-your-door meals. With Factor meals being delivered right to your door, you're gonna be saving a tremendous amount of time because you won't have to do any grocery shopping, you won't have to do any meal prepping, you won't have to stress out about what to make, it's just coming directly to your door based on your preferences and what you wanna eat that week. And Factor offers a variety of different meals to fit different types of diets. If you're being calorie conscious, you could look at their calorie smart options, which are meals that are 550 calories or less. If you want lots of protein, you could look at their Protein Plus, which comes with meals with 30 plus grams of protein. They got keto options, vegan options, veggie options, you name it. So this December, get Factor and enjoy some fresh, tasty, delicious meals that are conveniently delivered right to your door. Just simply pick the meals that you want, wait for them to be conveniently delivered to your door, toss them in the microwave, and within two minutes, you're eating a nice, healthy meal with no hassle or prep. So head on over to factormeals.com slash Santi50 and use code Santi50 to get 50% off. That's code Santi50 at factormeals.com slash Santi50 to get 50% off. That's a pretty wicked deal, y'all, so go check it out. Now back to the video. One of my problems with WWE lately, Santi, is they've been very scared to putting the feuds on the table early. And that's why we're having problems in the women's division or with them trying to separate Rhea and uh, Becky. That's Becky the most obvious, egregious it's, one. It's so bad. I know we're going to probably talk about Raw later, but Maxine sandbagged Rhea so bad. And I haven't seen a receipt on wrestling television in a long time. And when and Rhea hit Maxine in the back with a forearm, that was a hard forearm. And that was just like... Hey, I think Maxine gassed herself, to be honest. Mm. And she was just tired because of the adrenaline. But good Lord, this is the problem that I have. And can they keep Seth and CM Punk separated and keep that fire going? Will it be vignettes? Will it be tag teams? Would it be that Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins interview where, hey, guys, we really need to settle this right now. Will Triple H be a moderator between the two? And if we get some real, like jabs and things that's so where you see cm punk talk about becky lynch that's already crossing the line a little bit uh no mention of aj lee yet but i think that's the next step we talked about it in the last podcast i think it's going to be a tag team between aj lee becky lynch cm punk and seth rollins it has yeah. to happen that would be a pretty pretty wild inter-universal type of uh of mixed tag match we have a question here from uh from cash over on patreon who was presuming that gunther was the top uh the front runner for the royal rumble uh does that change now that cm punk is here do you see the path of cm punk and seth rollins meeting because of a cm punk victory here yes of course mm -hmm. It's going to happen, and but the, the great thing about CM Punk winning the Royal Rumble is that now we have options. Is he going against Roman? Is he going against Seth? And that makes that, one, it makes a, the personal vendetta between Seth Rollins even stronger if he foregoes Roman Reigns in the Universal Champion. And it also puts the heavyweight champion on the same level as a Universal, Undisputed, Mega Intergalactic 
all-time line multiverse championship that Roman Reigns has. Yeah, and I have to give you your props because you convinced me out of this out of this rabbit hole that I was in of like this this match doesn't need the world title. I'm convinced it does now. Um, And and just as much as the feud needs the title, I think the title needs the feud more than anything. Uh, Because, yeah, I think CM Punk going after this championship makes me now care about this. Because before, you know, like we've been saying, it's just been the shiniest participation ribbon in the entirety of the WWE. You know, you mentioned Roman there, you know, and mentioning Roman brings implications of guys like Randy Orton, brings implications of guys like Cody Rhodes, the rest of the bloodline. So... (laughs) That to me is one of the crux, one of the monkey wrenches, as CM Punk called it, that gets thrown into everything. And what I mean by everything we is called it. we called it we the did. wrench. We did, we did call did. it the wrench. We did watch watch the last podcast and then watch all the things that happened. We called every beat for beat that was going to happen. He did. So what the one of the biggest things that's taken a, a the, this monkey wrench is the story. And what is the story, Sancho? The story is something that that Cody Rhodes has been spewing about for the better part of a year and a half of I have to finish the story. We had an interaction between Cody Rhodes and CM Punk on the most recent episode of SmackDown where they both had a face to face interaction where Cody Rhodes says, I guess our stories meet here. You're both you're in the rumble. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So who, who's yeah. So Sancho, we've been under this belief that the story is Cody Rhodes winning the world championship on the biggest stage and that it has to be against Roman Reigns. Is that still the story? Can the story take a different approach? Who is the main character of the story now? Because now we have CM Punk here, who's the returning jewel. We have Seth Rollins, the defender of WWE. We have Roman Reigns, the the face of the WWE. We have Cody Rose, the guy who originated the story. We have Randy Orton, the guy who came out of nearly guaranteed retirement. There are and then LA Knight. Sure, we can toss him in there. <laughs> hey, it's it's a it's a good thing to get involved into to be to have your name uttered with those greats that I just mentioned. But whose story is it anyway at this point? Here's a story about a guy named Cody. I know a guy. I know a guy. It's still Cody's story. Um, I think when the problem is, is now everyone's using that as their own. Everyone has their own story. And Drew's like, I have my own story. And CM Punk has his own story. And that's what wrestling's all about. People don't understand. That's what makes the WWE so great is that these wrestlers actually have stories behind them and they all have something to fight for. And then we all want to see them go and complete that story. I still think personally Drew's story is quite interesting of him trying to capture glory in front of a crowd. Uh, Sami Zayn's story is about trying to, you know, un- unsert the powers to be with the Judgment Day and Bloodline. Roman Reigns has a story. Can't forget about Roman being the tribal chief. Have to complete that story. But who's the main character in this entire thing? Who is the one that's as the the protagonist? Who's the one that we're happy with the most? And you know that answer. He starts with the letter H and has another H in there and another H. And if he was going to be in a DMV line, he would line up at the H line. It is Hunter Hersemsley himself is the protagonist in this entire story. Don't be a triple T guy. It's about Hunter Hersemsley. He is the protagonist. He's the one that brought back the WWE glory. His booking has been phenomenal. When you go to POE, when I went to the Survivor Series in Nashville, everyone was stoked because this was like, this is Triple H's 
P.O.E. This is Triple H's Survivor Series. This is Triple H's WrestleMania. We are in the Triple H era. He needs to finish the story. And the only way he can finish the story, Santi, is he needs to land a plane with the Bloodline and land a plane with Cody and land a plane with CM Punk. Those are the that's that's the thing that we're rooting for now. Is can Triple H book this properly and can Triple H make this year memorable? And I think he can. I think that's the most daunting aspect because we're it feels like we're in the end game, you know, to quote, you know, Marvel's the Avengers. It really does feel that way, even though WWE doesn't have an end game with how it, the, never it never does. And yet somehow Triple H has made it feel like we are. And that's kind of a rarity because under Vince McMahon, there's never there's never really felt anything that's felt like an end game. And yet here we are. We have all of these powers coalescing together at the same time, going into the Rumble, going into the road of, to WrestleMania. And I haven't seen something like this before. And I am ecstatic. However, I am concerned at the same time that I don't granted I'm I'm not a writer I'm not anybody that can that could land this plane I just don't see how you land this plane in a way where you have universal satisfaction with WWE fans is the way to land the plane Cody defeating Roman Reigns like are we then just happy there Um, the other thing is like is Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns at this point in time a big enough feud a big enough story to be the night two main event over Seth Rollins CM Punk a feud that's now in in the forefront of everybody's brain a feud that everybody wants to see a feud that people are calling, you know, the 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 next great feud of all time. I don't know, man. It leaves a lot of unanswered questions here. And those unanswered questions make me a little bit uneasy. But I think it's when you are out of this area of comfort where you end up getting the best television, where you end up getting the best matches and the best shows. Do you think Triple H can do it? You think Triple H has the ability to because this is his greatest test, because he set up so many threads. And they have to end eventually, or not necessarily end end, but they need to reach a stopping point, and a new a new chapter needs to happen with the bloodline. It, like, does like who's the next tribal chief? Because I don't think it, when Roman's contract's up, is he resigning? Is or would the WWE resign him for less work again? Would he be like a Undertaker type and show up at PLEs only? I mean, he's showing up less and less, and at the same time. Where it, like, you talked about who is if Cody wins, I think what people are waiting for is just someone to beat Roman and Seth right now. Everybody's waiting for who's that going to be the next champion, who's going to carry that next torch. Because right now, we're clamoring for anybody to beat. Well, not anybody. Everyone wants the certain. Who do you think people want Roman to be beaten by? We talked about it before. At this point, it has to be Cody. It can't be CM Punk. You can't bring back CM Punk and he beats Roman. That doesn't make any sense to me. It has to be Cody. Cody's the only person that can and has the best chance to beating Cody, uh, beating Roman, and not losing the momentum of ending the bloodline. Because that means the end of the bloodline, bro. It's yeah. The, if they try to do a story of like I'm the tribal chief now, Oos, I won't care. I won't care. Once the once the the story with Roman Reigns is done. That's to me the the true end of the bloodline. Um, I for, I can't find who asked the question, but it was on Patreon. Somebody had asked, you know, is the expectation that the story is finished between Cody and Roman? Could it be Cody and Randy Orton? Because Randy Orton 
has the next up at bat against Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes and Randy Orton. That's more full circle of a storyline in terms of Cody's full career story than Roman and Cody is. It makes sense. I mean, Cody's talking. I mean, ultimately, Cody's legacy is winning that belt for his dad, like mm -hmm. being a WWE champion. And does it have to I, be Roman, though? That's the question here. What the thing is, like, I remember a time when Randy Orton was champion and people didn't want Roman to be champion. And they were happy that Randy was champion. They were happy that Randy won Royal Rumble. And they were happy that Randy ended up being the champion over Roman at that time. Because Roman was being fed down our, our throats at that time. And then when Randy was champion, no one really cared about Randy being champion. However, after Randy coming off the injury and possibly in his last run in the WWE, I think people would be ecstatic for him to beat Roman Reigns. But I think it's too safe of a bet to have Randy beat sure. Roman and then, see, and then Cody beat Randy. They, it, it just to me, you can't have a. It's that stare down that throws everything off, bro. The stare down that Cody and Roman had throws a wrench. And again, we're using tools here. Threw everything off because that a moment, drill, an electric yeah, drill. At that, it was yeah. At that moment, we're like, okay, Cody's moved on, Roman's moved on, perfect. They're no longer going to be at LA Knights now. Up to bat for Roman, LA Knights could be the next guy up. Granted, he wasn't challenging Roman at the time, but we're like on the LA Knight train. And then they had that moment where Cody and Roman stared at each other like at another time, and you're just like, "But why? Mm -hmm. Like, where, where, where is it going to go?" And now they're not even feuding. You got Cody with Nakamura, and the Bloodline is just doing nothing right now. And you had that moment where CM Punk wanted to knock on the door of Bloodline, and he goes, mm, "Maybe not today." Mm -hmm. I don't want to seem like I dodged your question earlier. You had asked me, can Triple H do it? And I think yeah. we highlighted one of the problems with tw uh, Triple H's uh, storytelling, uh, which is like, how do you fill the in-between between major mm -hmm. story beats? I think we're seeing one right now with the Bloodline specifically as Ro as uh, Solo Sokoa and Jimmy Uso are literally just prancing around with no direction in any way, shape or form. As much as Triple H has rejuvenated and revitalized and made wrestling the most entertaining and the most fun that it's been uh, since I've been watching wrestling, I haven't seen him finish anything. Think about all of the stories that he's done. What's the one long, what's the few that's, that he's finished? The only one is Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. That's pretty much the only long-term feud that he's really finished. Maybe Judgment Day and Edge? Maybe I I guess actually that's a that's a good one, and I don't think he landed that very well though. No, I don't think no. he landed that very well. Um, no, damage control still going, still going, bloodline still going. Ko uh, Kevin Owens hasn't turned on Sammy yet, so that's still yeah, going. that's yeah, sure that's still going. So <laughs> like going. We, we Triple H loves his long term story booking, but we haven't seen him land the plane yet. Which is why I'm concerned that I don't know if he can or knows how to uh, land this plane. Dismantling Bloodline with KO and Sammy with the tag team, that was kind of like an end of a, like a chapter, so to speak, in the story. It, right? But it, it was it was only the bottom of the third. You know, like it even then, even when it feels like it was a, a major, a major, a major story beat, it just felt like another chapter in the long standing story. 
So we haven't seen him land the plane towards the end. We haven't seen him do the final episode of Breaking Bad where he puts the cherry on top. We haven't seen that yet. Do you we... think he delayed the story? Like he delayed it with Jimmy going heel? I think that was, I think that was, you said it was a big misstep there. I think it was a, a colossal misstep. I still think that's one of the biggest missteps ever. I think it would have been far more entertaining to see both Usos still going after Roman Reigns. So they've, they've had their missteps. They mm-hmm. have their, they have had their home runs, but the problem is, is that we haven't seen a WWE like this before. We haven't seen a WWE that is willing to make storylines go beyond one PLE cycle. That's what I'm used to. I'm used to a Samoa Joe versus AJ Styles storyline lasting from Great Balls of Fire to Capital Punishment or whatever it might be. It's a it's a month and a half. That's what WWE storylines used to be. I've can you recall a time where we've had year-long storylines and we have multiple of them. We have the Judgment Day storyline, we have Damage Control storyline, we have Bloodline storyline, we have Cody Rhodes' storyline. We have so many individual threads and narratives that are lasting years, Sancho. This is weird. I don't so and weird in a good way. I'm not saying like oh, gross, weird. It's weird in a good way, which leads to the uncertainty that I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, I what, what came to mind is I feel like Cody's on a side quest now. Like Cody, after the PLE, he comes out and you're like, oh, okay, who's he gonna face? And Nakamura shows up, and you're like, okay, this is gonna be a side quest for Cody. Rhea Ripley's on a side quest right now, going through the women's division and not dealing with Becky. The tag championships are on a side quest right now, waiting for whoever's gonna be the number one contender. Gunther's on a side quest right now with the Miz, where it just doesn't feel like. You know what I mean? The Miz is going to be the one that takes away the belt. So I think that what Triple H needs to do is just make a decision and just sit with it. But the, you can't blame Triple H. He's making money hand over fist right now, delaying the inevitable of the ending of the story. I feel that the the, the story, the person that has not benefited from long-term booking at all, and his name is L.A. Mm. Knight. This man has been floating in the atmosphere, in the galaxy, in space of all these threads. And this man does not have a story to tell. He does not have a revenge plot in his mind. He's gone after multiple gold championship belts and has failed at every single turn. The man continues to sell t-shirts and merchandising now with authentic leather jackets and you see cosplayers in the audience now you see the yeah movement still and who what is he doing now hanging out with randy randy's friend randy's bromance that's going to happen here where they're going to compete who gets the rko who gets the btf somebody what is this man you they've done a disservice to la knight la knight deserves better la knight has been regulated to nothing and i'm upset that's why super long-term storytelling with wrestling is something that doesn't always go to plan. LA Knight is a great example because you probably had all these storylines thought of and you, no one in the writer's room was expecting LA Knight to rise from nothing to become the most popular WWE superstar on the roster. The other thing that you can't really account for is injuries, right? But LA Knight demonstrated that you can't account for for the extreme super rise of a wrestler that wasn't in your plans. And I think we're kind of seeing the the byproduct of that because you're right. He does feel 
directionless. I feel like he is the right guy at the wrong time almost because the that main event picture has now gotten so saturated with major names coming back that I just don't think it leaves too much room for LA Knight, but I don't think that there was ever supposed to be room for LA Knight. I don't think that he was ever supposed to be in this situation. LA Knight just forced their hand to put him into that situation. And because there's no, there was no plan and there was no vision to have LA Knight there, I think that's why we're, we're seeing him tread water until the writer's room can figure out what to do next with this guy because they have to do something. They can't, they can't just let him, I don't know, rot. I, when he's the the one of the most popular guys in the company, you cannot kill LA Knight's run though. You you thought you did by giving him Bray, no. You thought you did by giving him Roman too early, no. You thought you did by giving him Miz, no. But what can kill LA Knight is CM Punk and Randy Orton and those guys, and that will mean everything that John Cena did. All his work to putting L.A. Knight over would be for nothing. I don't know, man. Like that most recent episode of SmackDown, that main He's event with over. Randy Orton. He was He's more over than Randy. He really was getting more of a crowd reaction than Randy freaking Orton. Where does that go then? Randy versus L.A. Knight? Ah, it could. Randy's the type of guy that could that could play any character at any moment in time. I, that'd be a huge feud for LA Knight, a massive, massive boost from where he was a year and a half ago, where he was he was a manager for Maximum Male Models. But I think people like you, Sancho, and some other people in the community are so dead set on it being a world title. It doesn't need to be. And I'm using you, the royal you, not necessarily you the specific. Editorial the editorial Yes, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a just, this main event picture is so crowded, but we... Look, we are not in a traditional WWE right now. The tra sure. the traditional WWE is out the window. We already talked about it with how weird it is that we have year-long storylines. The traditional WWE, the premise is the most popular guy goes after the world title. I don't think that we're in that world anymore. I don't think that we're in the world that, that, the, that the most popular face has to win the world title. I think that we're in a world where we have five PLE matches instead of 12. And those individual five PLE matches can be massive attractions. And LA Knight could be one of those massive attractions without having gold around his waist. I still think that he can absolutely be a main event player without having main event gold. Look at Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes hasn't, people think of Cody Rhodes. I think that there's some sort of Mandela effect as if he's some sort of world champion. He hasn't held a world championship since coming to the WWE. And yet he's still utilized as a main attraction. And that's not normal for the WWE to do that. And I think that they could replicate a similar run with LA Knight. It doesn't have to be world titles. Yes, you're not hearing me. What I'm trying to tell you, it's the WWE's fault because they had LA Knight talk about championships for, I don't know, months. He would say, yeah. I want this belt. I want that belt. I'm going to challenge you for the United States and number one contender. That's true. Now I want this belt. Now I want that belt. And the whole time we're saying LA Knight doesn't necessarily need belts. But my point is you had him go straight from I'm going to be a number one contender to the United States title where he belonged. And we were hoping that he would stay there for a while to marinate before Logan, before Ray. And now you vaulted him straight into the Roman Reigns. 
And that is where I was like, wait a minute. If we're here, then pull the trigger. If you're going to put the man here, there's nowhere else he can go because now you blew it because he can't go back to you. You can't go back to United States title. His only option would be to go against Guther now, and that would be a good step down. That'd be a great okay. You took out Gunther. You're smarter, Gunther. You're tougher than Gunther. Perfect. We'll see you in the Intercontinental. You hold that for a bit. You have a great run like the Stone Cold or the Rock. And you do your thing with the Intercontinental until the, like you mentioned, the saturated main event starts to dwindle or, you know, Roman needs a break or Randy needs a break or CM Punk needs a break, call up Ellie Knight. But right now, he cannot be the little brother to Randy. And that's what I'm scared of, that he feels like he's the little brother when he's in the background of the stare down or a meet between Randy and CM Punk. That's not where he, be that's not where the megastar belongs. And the megastar just goes, yeah. No. When's the last time have we had a LA Knight promo on SmackDown, Santi? When's the last time that we've seen this man on the PLE, Santi? It's, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And uh, yeah. He's number, he's number 12 on our new, new heat order. <laughs> he's going to be going down maybe even more. Oh, he was <laughs> number one for the longest time. And my frustrations, just to bring it back to the question about what is the WWE story, the WWE is a place where American dreams are made. It is where dreams... Let me finish. Don't make that face. <laughs> Let me finish. All right? Let me finish. Sure, go ahead. Here we go. Everybody that's in that WWE locker room has dreamt to be a WWE superstar. When they made it to the... WWE, their dreams have come true, and they all want a main event at WrestleMania, and we, they all had dreams about winning the Royal Rumble. That is a fact. Now, LA Knight is a man that has grinded his tail off to the bottoms of wrestling, to the bottoms of commercial work, for taking any job that he can do, for being in any video this man could do, for being a security guard, for being a valet. This man has done it all across different promotions. And you know what the story is, Santi, and what's so great about the WWE is that you can achieve your dreams right in front of everybody, and you could capture that WWE championship belt. You could work your way from nothing to a superstar level, and they have denied us of that story for so long. And that LA Knight story will continue to crawl, will continue to brew, and we will watch that story. And I'm telling you, when LA Knight wins the championship, you're going to hear one of the biggest pops of all time. That's the story of the WWE. I rest your uh, I, I thank you, my honor. Yeah, no, well, that was a wonderful TED talk. I think you're right. I think that that is the the nature of of the story of the WWE. A lot of people just because they heard Cody Rhodes say the story, like it's Cody Rhodes' story. I think it, the WWE story as a whole is stories like LA Knight's. And you're right, we have been denied of it. But we've also been denied of Jey Uso finishing his story. We've been denied of Finn Balor finishing his story. We've been denied of Riddle. We've been denied of so many people finishing their story because of Roman Reigns and because of Seth Rollins. So uh, boohoo is what I'm trying to tell you. All right. It's not just about LA Knight. What you do to LA Knight? They're not giving him a chance. So many people have gotten mauled over just like LA Knight cry about it you know who's not getting mauled over these days the super creeds the creed brothers who are just 
annihilating everyone in the tag team division. These guys are supposed to be the rookies from NXT and are looking like a tag team. They're looking like Super Cena in 2009 defused. And now we have two individuals running around destroying the tag team division. I was so excited for their call up because the Creed brothers cut their teeth in NXT and won the NXT universe over by their incredible matches they're awesome feats of strength the things that julius creed can do is actually like not human but that's not why we love them in nxt we love them because they got a lot of time backstage to develop as characters and endear themselves to the nxt universe so what we ended up getting in their later run in NXT was two guys that everyone just genuinely liked that were awesome ass kickers in the ring. And I feel like the WWE and Triple H are just completely bypassing, trying to just replicate the same thing that worked, which took them a couple of years. And they're just trying to do it in four weeks. And now I don't like the Creed brothers. They're, they're getting annoying. Now they're making saves on Cody Rhodes for some reason. They're closing out Monday Night Raw when they literally just got called up to the main roster. Again, Sancho, tell the world, was I not the one waving the Creed Brothers flag when they got called up? Mm. Man, and I remember right away I said, I don't like them. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing it. And you're like, no, no, wait, wait, you're going to fall in love with them. And guess what, Santi? They fed us, they fed us, and they fed us Creed. They've been putting Creed in segments. They've been beating all our favorite tag teams. And I hate it. And I'm allergic to it, too. That was a sneeze there. A real sneeze. Yes, for the audio listeners, as a legitimate sneeze right there. It's a legitimate sneeze because I'm allergic to being pushed to the moon. I hate these pushes. They're the worst. And they just, I feel bad for the Creed, brothers. Let's be real. Yeah. You can't blame them because they're being asked, okay, you're today you're going to go save uh, Cody and you're going to go save R-Truth. And it, what are you going to say? No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think that's best for business. And and, and that is what's unfortunate. Um, right now they're building up go-away heat, unfortunately. I think I think for the for the people that listen to this podcast, there's going to be a lot of people that say, no, we, they're not. They're not. They're fine. But for someone that's been eating a lot of wrestling for years and years and watching it on a daily basis, like yourself and myself, it, you could just tell when the machine's at work and when the machine's at work for somebody and the WD is saying, you need to like this team yeah. because of they saved this person. They've done this. It's just going to backfire on them. And at this point, if they keep doing it, I think that's what they're hoping for, that it backfires and we'll start booing them because there's just nothing for us to latch on to. When I hear their music, I don't get any like excitement because I don't know what their music is for crying out loud. I haven't heard it so much. Um, and when they run, I, I don't know. Like For me, I like the idea when they run out to save our truth and then Judgment Day got back and I was like, cool, perfect. They're not ready yet. They're rookies trying to do the right thing. I love that. But then they start beating Judgment Day when they're outnumbered. I was like... All right, not even R-Truth gets up to help, too. All right, I'm out. And then the icing on the cake, the stinky farts in the elevator as the doors close is them closing out Monday Night Raw, saving Cody. Unless someone was supposed to and forgot their cue and they sent out Creed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see what else could it be. Um, it's just a bummer, man. It's just going to be one of those things where we're just like, 
when they win or they I'm not going to root for them when they play when they fight Judgment Day. No. Mm-mm. Man, and I feel I I I, I feel betrayed because I was the mm-hmm. one I was the 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 biggest apology not necessarily apologist, but I was like the the Pol- one politicking. Yeah, I was politicking the, for them. I was absolutely politicking for them. Yeah. And look, you you mentioned the machine. The and machine. and you can you can smell the machine yeah. at work. You can just oh, sense yeah. it. It's there. Yeah. And something yeah. I've realized, Sancho, is once the machine is at work, once WWE is wanting to force a particular narrative, that mm-hmm. narrative is happening. Oh, the, yeah. the Creed brothers are going to win these world titles. I'm mm. like that is dude. I, I'll mortgage my my life on it at this point, and I don't want it. I want to see a struggle for them to get to where the, where where they are at the moment. Like they shouldn't they, look. You know how that, that you know how that episode should have ended. It should have ended with Cody Rhodes writhing in pain. That's it. You didn't need a run in. You could have just had Nakamura beat him down. That's how it should have ended. I love the idea of them saving our truth. That's great. But you're right. They shouldn't have gotten such a huge upper hand on Judgment Day. It just feels forced. It and I'm seeing it coming from a mile away. And I'm smelling the machine. And it's been a while since I've smelled the machine. I feel like Roman Roman was the last one. Yeah. Because throughout the pandemic, the Triple H era, I have not felt the machine at play. And if the machine has been at play, it's been subtle. And I haven't. And it hasn't been overt. This is this is the machine slapping us. They came out and they beat they uh, beat to interference DIY. Michael Cole. DIY. They they beat them, they beat New Day. Then they did like a gauntlet. No, they beat Alpha Academy. Then they did a tag team gauntlet, and they beat everybody. And now they beat. It's just too much. It's too much. Too soon. Ivy and Nile get, going up against Rhea now. And then at the same time, WWE, you had a great gold thing with our Truth and Judgment Day, a beautiful thing. And when he got to the ring and R-Truth was like, y'all, we need to kick KD out. <laughs> I was just like, this is the best thing I've seen in a long time since Sami Zayn and Bloodline. And I was just like, please let him swindle and get JD out and let JD try to get back in. Because I'm down for that. Because it was funny to me because I really thought Damien was liking it. And I thought it was funny. It was like the funniest thing I've seen in a long time because it it was like, oh, wait, is R-Truth going to get in the Judgment Day here? Just because he's like so helpful and he comes up with like ideas for the merch game. The TV. <laughs> but, they, but they blew it, dude. They blew it. They, yeah. they were just, I think they were just too afraid for it to get stale or they, were, they ran out of ideas or they set that all up for Creed Brothers and me losing out the opportunity that our truth would be in Judgment Day for the Creed Brothers makes me hate them more. Mm. I hate them. They're great. They're good dudes. Good young lads. They have a future. I just don't like the machine that's at play the right machine. now. The machine. You can smell the, the machine. machine. Uh, look, I, we, we, it's Vince, it could, you know? <laughs> we it's talked a Vince. little bit about this before, before we started recording. I really look December is typically the most downtime of the year for wrestling. It just ha- doesn't happen to be the case right now because of the return of CM Punk and Randy Orton. But typically, all right, December starts to get boring Christmas episodes that get pre-taped usually, um, episodes with very few consequences. And I think you could have ran an R-Truth storyline of him trying to get into the Judgment Day for weeks. Look, my heart was 
legitimately aching when he got attacked, when Damian Priest attacked him. Imagine had they built to that moment for like four weeks. I'm not saying this needs to be another Triple H year long storyline. Just four weeks of Judgment Day stringing him along. That would have yeah. actually broken my heart. Actually, I might have cried if they did that. Our truth buying Christmas presents for them and oh. everything. You know, he's like, hey, I got you. And it's like perfect gifts. And they're like, oh, wow. Our truth, like Dominic, yeah, yeah. And Finn Balor's happy with his present. Damien's happy with his present. Rhea's happy. And they're like, oh, yeah, we like our truth. And then they just put him in. Oh, that would have been bad. Like, had a ceremony. Like, we're going to have a ceremony for judgment day he comes out and the and they have that jacket like they had jd and they're like yay and then they beat him and down and then they beat him down oh that dude that could have been like festival of friendship good like in terms yeah. of the betrayal i still think look if if any wwe writer is listening to this you can fix this all right our truth our truth is a wacky character have him forget about all of this for next episode just <laughs> So What's awesome. up, JD? It just comes right back into the picture, and they're like, dude, we just beat the crap out of you. You can still fix this, WWE. Please do not stop our truth and Judgment Day because there is still so much meat on that bone. You can still do so much good, but uh, Creed Brothers, get out of this. You don't need to be in this. Our truth and Judgment Day, that's all I need to see. That's all I need to see. What if he was like, oh, don't worry about it, Damien. We're family, man. And family, sometimes they, you know, they get, they have their throws. But at the end of the day, I love y'all, man. No matter what, we're family, right? Judgment Day. And you're, and you're just like, oh, that, poor R-Truth. It'd be beautiful. It'd be yeah. an, an act, like, really beautiful storyline that they could do. Oh, man. MJF, Iron Claw taking a bunch of pictures with people. He's all over the place. MJF is turning into um, into Waldo. Like, where, where is MJF these days? He's just appearing on social media with pictures with John Cena, pictures with Baron Corbin, pictures with Liv Morgan. He's everywhere. You wanted to talk about MJF, so what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? This is the same time as LeBron James and Dwayne Wade talking to each other and on the banana boat. It's you think this is banana thing. boat gate? This is banana boat game all over again. You cannot ignore the WWE. MJF has been teasing this for years that MJF is willing to listen to the WWE. And you cannot ignore that AEW is not looking that great in terms of having him work two PLEs a night and two matches a night a PLE or a pay-per-view. Um, having him injured, having him, you know, where where is the company going? So much turmoil at the AEW. And you look over at WWE, and you look at John Cena right face-to-face. -face, you shake his hand, and John Cena talks to you on the red carpet of a movie. And he's talking, just treating him with the utmost respect. John Cena's treated him like he is a superstar already. Shaking his hand, whisper a little something, something. Oh, you know, WWE's been great for me. I'm an actor now rocking it here yeah, you may carpet. have heard you may have heard oh really and then mjf getting into producing movies you think you're gonna want aew in your corner when you're trying to get a be a producer or do you want the wwe machine behind your corner you cannot be happy for tony khan if you're seeing mjf running around with wwe talent you cannot because it's it's just like this in anything and if he wasn't AWWE. If I was talking to some other company and they were telling me how great it is over there, I'd be listening. 
I would be like, yeah, man, that's not it's not great at my job, but you're saying you get Fridays off too? Yeah, I mean, the, the, you're going to have to listen to that, and you know they're, they're talking about it. And you know M MJF has to be able to. He's all ears. And the best thing about it, Vince McMahon being gone, this is what Triple H's greatest strength is, is that he gives room for anybody to come to the WWE because they don't they know that they'll be respected. And MJF, hey. he's coming. I have I feel it. I feel mm. it. Banana boat. Banana boat. And you know, you mentioned the whole respect thing, right? Like Jade Cargill hasn't stepped foot in a WWE ring and she had that entire month and a half where she was being treated like you know the biggest get in wwe history imagine what they could do with somebody like maxwell jacob uh, feinstein i'm sure they probably changed his name i think that's his original name that he sent in for tough enough there's a really yeah. really cool um like tape of mgf when he's 18 doing his audition tape for wwe tough enough and that was his original name J uh, maxwell jacob feinstein i'm curious if wwe would just change his name slightly like that to, to still be mjf anyways i'm getting into something else uh yeah dude i just i just thought it was cool i didn't connect the dots cool. like you did with uh with the whole banana boat yes for those that don't know this reference we keep saying banana boat and you're probably like i'm from slovenia actually no basketball's big over there what's a country where basketball's not big quick sancho uh Canada. Canada. Screw you. We're, we're, are you kidding me? Steve Nash? Shaquille Alexander? What are you, Raptors? Champions? Wow. Unnecessary. All right. We got some guy in, in Nunavut, Canada. I'll give you an area of Canada. That's like, what's the banana boat? I'm, I'm, I'm in a nice glacier. What the, why do you ride a banana? Uh, this is the story of LeBron James uh, conversing with Dwayne Wade, which and ultimately... And Chris Bosh, which ultimately led to Chris Bosh leaving the Toronto Raptors, uh, LeBron James leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers, all to co to convene in South Beach and take their talents over there and uh, not win as many championships as they thought they were going to, but they were still incredibly dominant. That's what you're referencing here. You're you're thinking that this is the moment where MGF is having these conversations, realizing, ooh, they got it pretty good over there. Baron, Cor Baron Corbin, you're loving it over there? You're cr You're crushing it now? You're making how much money, Barrett Corbin? Okay, okay, I like it. I could see that. I could see where you're coming from here. And I I like it. I would love to see MJF in the WWE. I still think that there would need to be a change to the tone of his heel promos. I've said this before. I'll say it one more time. I think his heel promos can be cheap sometimes. Unless he's actually like talking to somebody directly when he's talking to the crowd and trying to gain heat. It's usually uh, you're all ugly, stupid, make less money than me and you're all inbreds. Of course, they're going to boo you. So I would just like to see a little bit more dimensions to MJF. But MJF, a lot of people think that like, oh, well, WWE would just like dilute him and make him make him worse. It's like, OK, well, then if MJF is not able to thrive in that WWE environment, an environment where they make way more money. So, yes, they have to dilute the things that you say that maybe MJF isn't as good as we all say. I think he is as good as we all say, and I think he would thrive in the WWE machine. The machine. Here's one guy that would make it happen, and there's one story that MJF would like to finish, and that's CM Punk. The greatest it, dog collar match of all time. You No, you, you, ha you have to finish that story. It started at AEW, and if WWE is the place where MJF needs to finish that story, then it needs to be finished over there. And it's like you can't blame C you can't blame MJF for wanting to go to WWE if you feel that AEW is not a safe environment for him. And I know there's people that listen to us that are they're diehard AEW fans, and I get that. But you cannot 
argue that right now that there is just so much turmoil over there and there's not a lot of confidence into the direction where we're heading. You got the internet blowing up where AEW is deleting tweets or wrestlers are deleting tweets that there's rumors that Daniel Bryanson is like- <laughs> The hall monitor. <laughs> the hall monitor, right? And there's like the memes of him just like looking over everybody. It's, it is rumors, you know, where, where there's smoke, there's fire type of thing. And I know that internet could sometimes spin things out of control and there's always gonna be an answer or logical reason behind that. But if you're MJF and you're, you have a torn labrum for crying out loud, and they're probably asking you, can you please show up to this PLE? Can you please do something? Can you cut a promo here? Can you travel here? And this man just needs to heal, and he has no time to heal for them. I would think that some time off shows up next year, maybe at a Royal Rumble. That'd be crazy. Sancho, before we go into the, the new heat order, there is a very yeah. interesting tweet that made me think. And it was that in 2019, 2020, and 2021, people mm -hmm. started tuning into AEW because WWE was a company being run by a singular billionaire making all the decisions that he wanted and not the decisions that the fans wanted. Wow. All right. Now we look at AEW versus the WWE. Who is the one that has the singular billionaire making all the decisions, not necessarily giving people exactly what they want? I don't think it's Tony Khan. I think the 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 wrestlers are running that AEW. Well, I, I mean, the way it's it sounded right. over the last year and a half, yeah. But anyways, I just thought that was a an interesting tweet. More like, uh, not necessarily, I don't think I, we need to dive into like, oh, Tony Khan is now this guy that's like running with an iron fist. It's just the change of narrative that has happened over the last, what felt almost instant. This change of narrative where AEW went from being the cool company to the not so cool company and now WWE is the cool company because it was completely the opposite way last time. If WWE just changes a few things, they could be a lot cooler. Like, please stop playing so many commercials during your last main event. Like, come on, don't just go four minutes into something and we'll be right back. There's a lot of things they could do a lot of better. And it's just gonna, there's gonna be more like advertising with them and I, I just think right right now, if you're MJF, after talking to literally John Cena on the red carpet of the world premiere of Iron Claw, the WWE has to have a better light in your eyes than than it has before. Yeah. New heat order, the new new heat order. New, new, Do you think much order. is gonna change this week? Yes. Dude. Do you think so? You think so? Yes. Okay, but know. you have this narrative of pushing up LA Knight. Anyway, sorry, go ahead and explain the, to the world. The New Heat Order is a fun list that Santi and I put together in terms of the top 20 superstars that are moving the needle, that are getting the best buzz, the best heat, and whose storylines we're excited to see, and who's doing some really great action in the ring. We've had so many different uh, fun New New Heat Orders. Um, let me go ahead and read the list. It is number one, CM Punk. Number two, Randy Orton. Number three, Seth Rollins. Number four, Drew McIntyre. Number five, Logan Paul. Number six, Gunther. Seventh, R-Truth. Eighth, Rhea Ripley. Nine, Shinsuke Nakamura and Cody Rhodes together. Ten, Santos. Eleven, Becky Lynch. Twelve, LA Knight. Thirteen, Sami Zayn. Fourteen, Judgment Day. Fifteenth, Main Event J. Sixteenth, Kevin Owens. Seventeenth, Bobby Lashley. Eighteenth, Nia Jax. Nineteenth, the general managers of Raw and SmackDown. And twentieth, Dragon Lee. Now, would like to move up Seth Rollins yes. to number two. You stole the words right out of my mouth. That was the first thing I was going to say. Absolutely. Move Seth Rollins to two. And I would like to move Randy below Drew. I think Drew is still cooking beyond. Like, 
the things that Drew is doing, and I think that him taking out, uh, taking on uh, whatever, uh, who's he, who's he wanted to win? He wants to take out more people that have wronged him from the yes. last time. I, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. remember what he did Jay, last time. He had a match with Jey Uso, BJ Uso. And then, then he get fined? Is that what happened to him? No, Randy he... got fined. He's the one and that's he... like, oh, here's 100,000. Oh, it's only 50. Oh, it's for the next time. I just feel like Randy is just too cool for school. And I like Drew. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. I'll tell you why Randy moves down a little bit of a peg. Yeah. Because Roman's not there. It's tough. It's tough to tell a narrative and a story when the guy you're supposed to be facing isn't there. I think we're going to move Randy up. We're going to be more more hot on Randy when he actually has his sights set on the goal, has his sights set on the guy that's holding the prize that he wants. The problem right now with Randy and LA Knight is Roman's not there. Mm, I agree. Now, we had CM Punk do a world tour. I'm loving this world ar- tour. I'm loving he, it. He went everywhere around the promotions, had little run-ins with everybody. My favorite ones, you're Jamaican me crazy. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, what did he say right there? He's like, yeah, we don't do that. Yeah, we don't do, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> Kofi was hilarious. I was like, yeah, we don't do that anymore, man. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Um, I think CM Punk still stays at one, of course. We, that's untouchable. Yeah. I think Logan Paul not appearing on TV. I haven't seen anything with him. He did do a podcast with Randy Orton. He did. That and, kind of- and that matters. That yeah, matters. matters. We talked about that. We talked about him staying in the conversation, keeping his finger on the pulse, and podcasts like that are absolutely a way to do that. Yeah. I do feel that he does slide down a little bit, Logan. Yeah. I, I think our truth falls out of the top 10. Uh, because it looks like they're putting a close on his involvement with the Judgment Day. One thing I want to say, though, is the show in the SmackDown in front of the troops, I feel that's hard to be, be a barometer to some things. Because CM Punk, he cut a great promo there, but he, I don't think he got as much like love for his promo there because that's when he mentioned about the punching in the backstage yeah. and all those kinds of things. Um, went over a I, lot of people's heads. It went over yeah. mine initially. Yeah, yeah. I think Kevin Owens goes up and that stare down with CM Punk. A little bit of like, ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of intrigue. Who falls out of this list? I'll tell you one more that moves up. Dragon Lee, new North American new, new North American champion. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, not on, that's not on, that's NXT though. Yeah, but like that's a main yeah. roster. Ma- okay, wow. What? No. Making these no. arbitrary rules on the we spot a rule. here. No NXT talent. Oh, no anything uh, that happens. Granted, we did talk about Dominic. And yes. Being- okay. Becky Lynch. Okay. He does not go above LA Knight. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Dude, the, your your protection for LA Knight is, is, is admirable, honestly. I've gotten cold on Becky Lynch and Nia Jax, to be honest. I didn't like that promo they had. Ooh, I think Becky I kind of liked it. I didn't like it because it's like Becky says to herself, she says she's being petty, and it is very petty. And the, it feels like they're, yes, Becky, that moment of Ronda was robbed from us. Yes, she didn't appear on that PLE, but she's benefited from it so much more. Like, why is Becky upset at it? It'd be different if Nia was doing something heelish to get her doing, but Nia's just chilling and Becky called her out. Like, I don't know. It kind of feels weird. Okay. It's All again, right. it's a delay tactic for Rhea 
and it's, Becky. It's I don't all like it. it is. The we all know where it's where the road is leading. It's leading to Rhea versus Becky, and now they're they're just on their side quest. They've they've been in a year long side quest, dude. Yes, I know. It's annoying me. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're not hot on either of them. Uh, you are using your politicking um, your way out of uh, having to move up Dragon Lee here. Uh, okay, well, what I'm else? putting Becky and Nia Jax at twenty. They make okay, it. okay, and they make it in. Okay, I put Dragon Lee at eighteen because I'm going to put the managers up there. Yeah, they carried the CM Punk story of like trying to recruit him they had that one mo they had both great backstage segments yep i think they adam pierce has been doing a great job i think them being so like a strong presence and a physical presence that it's been very exciting to see what they do and like go talk to adam go talk to uh nick aldis like all that kind of stuff is working for me i think it's great and it's creating some great framework for the television shows um dare i say i'm putting them in the top 15. Oh, I, you know what? This is the most important managers have felt in all a really long time. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yeah, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm down. Okay. Does main event Jay, who has got his eat back, it's just like his Shawn Michaels got his smile back. <laughs> Jay Uso move up, losing despite getting his yeet back to <sighs> Drew McIntyre. I don't think so. I, I'm not particularly, like, eager to see what's next with main event Yitzo. Mm, I think Yitzo moves 19th then. Okay. Or does he go to 20th? I think he goes all the way to 20th. You think I'm you, kinda, you, I'm okay yeah. with having Becky and Nia ahead of him right yeah. now. My, my problem was they made so much on that word Yeet that they forgot yeah. about the character in main event Jay. Are you and I still willing to keep the Creed brothers off? Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. I, <sighs> I am, it is bad. Does does Gunther move up at six? I mean, he didn't get a win. The Cleveland boys. Cleveland boys got the W. Um, got the w. Well, I think I, I think it's fair to put Gunther alongside just all of Imperium, just because they've been more of a faction recently, and especially this week. So we can just put Imperium as a faction. I think that they should be on this list. Okay, I'll find the boys. I gotta find all the Imperium. That's okay. Don't, if you can, if you, it, it can just be implied it's that okay. Gunther is Imperium. Okay, so does Gunther slide out of the top ten though? Yeah, I would say so. Unless you can make a case for him to not. Again, I'm telling you, Imperium is slowing Gunther down. They're they're the buffoons. They they should be an elite world class faction where they don't lose, where they don't make any mistakes. That's the whole beauty thing about. The, that European vibe is like, we don't make mistakes. We're Team Iceland. Yeah, they're generals. You know, Team yeah. Iceland's a good way to put it, yeah. You know Mighty mean? Ducks we reference. Going, yeah, Mighty Ducks 2 reference. We will definitely outplay you, out-wrestle you. We won't make mistakes. We never beat ourselves, and yet they beat themselves all the time. Clarify, Iceland's not that good at hockey. Could have totally just used Canada, but okay. Yeah, but you guys are too nice to be mean. You can't be heels Have you in the world of in the hockey. World of sports. I guess in sports. You're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were mm -hmm. kind of heels for the Raptors, but that's not really Team Canada. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Anyways. So I'm going to put Gunther at 10. I'm going to slide R Truth. I do feel like it was a very heel thing to do. I'm taking R Truth off. I feel like Judgment Day, after having some funny backstage segments, and then Damien having that stare down with CM Punk. This is the thing about great thing about CM Punk is he elevates everything. Yeah. 
So I feel that Judgment Day as a faction telling CM Punk we run things around here, and now we're going to have Judgment Day and CM Punk vibes, I think that puts them at least in the top 10 conversation for me. I'm the most interested in J in, J in, in Judgment Day that I've been in a while. And I think it was a combination of the CM Punk stare down and our truth. I'm, the, I'm right. the most interested I've been in a while in JD, more interested in them leading into war games, honestly. Right. And I thought they would win war games, by the way, but they didn't. I thought that was a misstep as well. Like, why not have, I don't know. It was perfect the way some the Survivor Series happened, but it, it sacrificed Judgment Day's yeah. run. I think The Miz, though, still white hot, People. still a baby face. They're, they're giving him the, the, the Cody Rhodes storyline. Where he, if he loses, uh, he can't challenge for the championship ever again. That was a that was a storyline of his in AEW. AEW, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Does he go? I think he goes ahead of Gunther. He goes ahead of Gunther. Got a big eight. win over them, so sure, 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 sure. Okay. I'm liking where this list kind of rounding out. I don't think I think Bobby Lashley. He got a win against uh, Karrion Cross. Where is Bobby Lashley? He was. That's a face again. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny, man. Like it's fu it, we we were laughing about how he's the worst at his job ever. He is incapable of being disliked, and then and then and then they put him in a match as a former as a former uh, army veteran. I'm not sure what the terminology is. A service member in front of that tribute to the troops. Of course, he's gonna be the good guy there. They're, they just, and then they, then the street prophets come out and dance with them afterwards. Like, what are you people? <laughs> I'm gonna move him up to 14th though. I think Bobby's in this still, you know, he's yeah. getting victories. He's getting crazy reactions. People like him, whether they're supposed to hate him. Does Santos get any love for you? Uh, big win over uh, Dragon Lee. Moving. Mm. Oh. Yeah, he still gets love from me. I still think that we're dealing with the best version of Santos. But he is he's being he's losing steam week by week. The more and more that he does not have interactions with Carlito, with Zelina with the two guys from LWO and with most importantly, Rey Mysterio, the more that they continue to keep him away from that group, the more he's going to lose steam. Here's my case, sir. LA Knight deserves to be in the top 10 because LA Knight still gets the pop, still gets the buzz. You said so yourself has a bigger overdraw than Randy right now. And he is yeah punches and everything and getting his BTF stolen in that one moment that smirk between him and Randy. Like, all right, all right. I want to see a little bit of, of you know, what's going to happen with Randy and LA Knight. I'm on. Sancho, I can I can see the determination in your voice. I don't think there's anything I could say to stop you from putting yeah. him in the top 10. I will I will I will grant you. I will grant you this for this week. This is yeah. the this is the one and only time I'm going to let you talk to me and disrespect me like that with LA Knight. The oh, first one's well, free. Oh. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. Nakamura and Cody goes up to sixth place. That I love that finish. I was happy you that it was. You really love the, the Creed brothers, man. Yeah, I know you loved it. No, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. no, no. I know no, you no, love no. that. You were really my hot on the Creeds. My DVR ended when he spit in the face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really thought I thought I thought it was great. I think Nakamura being the heel, getting the DQ 
perfect. It was a great match yeah. too. I love the ending sequence where it was like three minutes of Cody offense. You're like, oh, it's yeah. it's Cody it's destroying Nakamura right now. And then I I like the narrative of that, like Nakamura being like, oh my god, the only way I can get out of this like never ending combo. He it, it was like Mortal Kombat. He had him in a corner <laughs> just comboing him. The only way he yeah. could get out was was by disconnecting from the match. He used this. He used the mist. This is cheating. I think uh, Rhea Ripley drops out of the top 10. Just I have her with was... Judgment Day, honestly. No. No, no you don't even no, want to do that? No, no. Mommy's on her own, mama. Huh? Okay. Come on. Okay. Mommy's always been by herself on this new heat order. She's I think not she on top a... right now, clearly. I think she takes a step back, dude. That was a very, very... I, here's how I would have booked that match. Oh, that match was two. rough. That was rough. Here's what I would I would have done it. Hear me out. She right away hits a riptide quickly and refuses to pin her and then keeps hitting her with riptides over and over and over again. And then the, uh, who's on the outside again? Ivy Nile. Ivy Nile comes in and says that's enough and gets in between and draws the DQ. Can't be worse than what we got. So no, I know that I know what they were trying to do. Make Rhea look like a monster and beat up the super green Maxine, but it just came off so sloppy and, like I'm saying, that receipt was nasty. That's how I would have booked it. I think that drops her down to 11. Oh, we're, oh, I okay, that's fine. I was about, The reason I was fighting is because I thought you were going to kick her off the top 20. No, no, no. Okay, no, no, okay, no. okay, 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 okay. Here what I have so far. We have a hole in 17th. Uh, KO and Sami Zayn are still on this list at 13th and 16th. We got to remove Sami. He wasn't even on television this week. Okay. I think we talked about moving KO up, though, because sure. of the stare down. Yeah. Park. Yeah. Yeah. Does he move above Rhea and Sami uh, and Santos or just below them? I saw he's below them. Like, all, it was only a stare down. It was cool, does, but that's all he cool. did. Does he move past Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. Bobby didn't he, really do much either, but. Does he move past the GMs? Those GMs were cooking. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's where it stops. Okay. Does he go past Dragon Lee? No. Wait, yes, yes. I do think he goes past Dragon Lee. Okay. Yes. So we yeah. Thirteenth and seventeenth open. Ooh. Just like flat out open, huh? Mm-hmm. Flat out open. No love for Tozawa. Oh! Ivar and Braun Reed. That was filthy. Bro, that Ooh. was a great that was a good match. That was a very and that was a mad that was the match that followed Seth Rollins and in yeah. CM Punk. That's a tough spot to be in. And yeah. those big boys came out to play. Oh yeah. I'm very comfortable in putting him at 13th above Bobby Lashley. Are you wanting to those... put them as a as a tandem? Oh yeah. When it's yeah. it's like it's like it reminds me of Sheamus versus Cesaro. Type oh, of the thing. best of seven. Yeah, like you can't yeah. have one without the other right now. Exactly. And you're like, oh yeah, I want to see them. Go go at it, you know. See meat on meat, tsunami versus whatever that moonsault that Ivar has. Just please, I want him to be tsunami to death, where he forgets that he's a Viking. <laughs> 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 All right, we have seventeenth available. That's um, the Char only. Th Charlotte's hurt. Oscar um, won her match, but like eh. Bailey tried to save, and that doesn't work out. Uh, New Day hasn't been doing anything. Karrion Cross still has the coolest entrance in WWE, and he's not really doing Can't anything. really do anything. Ricochet has it. You know, Alpha Academy, Maxi Simon, Piper, and Chelsea are kind of just commentary fodder. 
when they show up and do that. Nikki Cross hasn't appeared anywhere. I mean, the the Caden Carter and Katana Chance, the party yeah. girls, they've been getting a lot of hype on TV. Like, here's what I would do. I yeah. would actually give them some love. I'd put them at 20 and move everyone up one spot. Okay. Okay. Because they've been get, they've been winning. They've been getting a bunch of backstage been, um, segments. They've been, they got that like hype okay. package of them like partying okay. at the rave. Okay. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with giving them some love here. But Kintana, 20, 20. Katana and. Katana and Kaden. Kaden. Okay. Kaden yeah. They're both Carter. right next. Yeah. Okay. They're right. I think this is her. Okay. Okay, this is our founder. They're like wearing bright yes. green outfits. That would be them. That would be them. <laughs> All right, perfect. All right. Here we go. Here's Creed, the list. Creed's at number one. No, no, no. <laughs> Here's the list. I made some adjustments on the fly. I think you might agree with them. Didn't even number consult one. me. This man, this tyrannical Sancho. Anyways, gone. Number one, CM Punk. Number two, Seth Rollins. Number three, Drew McIntyre. Number four, Randy Orton. Number five. Cody Rhodes and Nakamura. Number six, Logan Paul. Okay. Number seven, LA Knight. Number eight, Miz. Number nine, Gunther. Number 10, Judgment Day. 11th, Rhea Ripley. 12, Santos. 13th, Ivar and Bronson Reed. 14th, Bobby Lashley. 15th, the GMs of Raw and SmackDown. 16th, KO. 17th, Dragon Lee. 18th, Becky Lynch and Nia Jax. 19th, Main Event J. And 20th, Katana and Caden. Done. I'm happy with that list. That's the list for the week. Dude, you'd be, dude, you'd be. You know, it's not about the fact that, you know, that you did it. It's the fact that you didn't ask me. All right. All, all I know <laughs> is the new new heat order is accurate. It is accurate. There is, there is. If you, there should be a scientific research <laughs> on how accurate our new new heat order is because when we like, hey, we put the Zawa on twentieth and he went up. He started rising up and got more on TV. Dude, we we were calling the rise of Tozawa before anyone else. We're like, hey, that was that was pretty funny what Tozawa did. That was okay. That was before yeah. the dance, and yeah, then he started. Then the, he started getting the dance, yeah. and the man is uh, getting a sponsored segment, yeah. the ruffle shuffle. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, dude, I'm telling you, this is a good barometer for big things, and I think the Katana Chance and Caden Carter could be the start of a barometer. They could end up being women's uh, tag team champions soon. And I think Bronson Reed and Ivar will always bring it. We will be hyped to see them anytime. And then the future is they will tag team together. Oh, because forget Eric, right? He's hurt. I he mean, is it hurt. is what it is. It and is what is Bronson Reed? Like, they're going to become mutual. It's like Godzilla and King Kong. Eventually, <laughs> they tag team together. and It's going to be awesome. Oh, well, folks, that is our episode of Wrestling is Cool, the coolest wrestling podcast on the planet. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you listened this long and you aren't on Patreon, consider going to Patreon. Clearly, you like the podcast if you made it this far. Clearly, you like what we say, or clearly, you hate us enough where you want to be mad about what we're about to say next. If you want to hear all those things early, check out patreon.com slash SantiZep, where over 150 people are already given a couple extra bucks to get the episode early. Raw reviews, SmackDown reviews, and more. Sancho, what are you working on these days? What do you want to tell about tell the people about? Uh, by the time you hear this recording, I'll be doing some sponsor streams. Uh, come check them out. They're going to be on from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Central. I can't tell you when I'm playing, but hey, anytime we get some love out there and you, you ain't doing anything on Friday and Saturday, come on by before SmackDown. Why not? Yeah. Saturday, I'm going to be going to the Lions game. So, Oh, you, wow. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Mediocre football. Awesome. Yeah, Lions-Broncos. That's what I'm going to oh, go yeah. see. Actually, Broncos. No they're, good. no, they're both good teams. What do you mean mediocre football? Lions are like 8-3. 
It's like when you're the Cowboys and oh. you're used to proceeding. Nah. Oh, okay. All right. Enjoy losing in the divisional yeah. round like you always do. Uh, folks, you can find me over on YouTube.com slash SantiZab. You can find me over on Twitch.tv slash SantiZab. Those are the two places where I really am the most active. Twitter. I've also been cooking on Twitter recently. Go check me out over there. Folks, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Wrestling is Cool. If you're on YouTube, make sure to leave a thumbs up. If you're on a podcast service, leave it a review, whatever it might be, whether it's like a five star on. Yo, if you're on Spotify right now, Spotify, Spotify listeners, five star this five star right now. We need you. Pull over first and then five star. Don't even pull over. I do no, it no. while you're driving. Tokyo oh, drifting. No, no. no. <laughs> Just a joke. All right. For, for legal reasons, that was a joke. Take care, everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wrestling is Cool. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun during that episode, and I think Sancho did as well. I'd like to give a quick thank you to those that are at the coolest here, and starting off with Abel Rodriguez, Alejandro Caballero. We had Ben Calway, Ben Banlove, Blake Buxo. We had Cody Cook. We had Connor Williamson, Crunchy Tomato, Dominic McDonald, Gavin Alves, Isaac, uh, Jackson Conley, Jennifer Johnson, Mako Mac Gaming, Michael Glass, Montaigne more nicholas kyle reese dowd rodolfo reyes we had squishy we had sullivan mayor super malachi galaxy the b meister two crown wesley simpson yellow yellow wand town i think i said that right uh Zerxito, angel thank you all very much for supporting at the coolest here Thank you very much. And again, hopefully you enjoyed that episode. And thank you for making this possible and helping keep the lights on and the mics on. Cheers, guys. Yeah.